Proverbs chapter 3. And I would like to use as my text this morning verses 5 and 6 of Proverbs chapter 3. And we'll read them together again. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. In God's word, the book of Proverbs is a precious old book in the Bible. And we praise and thank God this morning that we have the open word of God before us this morning. For the believer, our Bibles is one of the most important things that we can possess. We think of what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and the verse 16, where he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And as profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. Proverbs, of course, is known as the book of wisdom and knowledge. And the writer was Solomon. And he was writing this book on behalf of, for his son Rehoboam, to give him instruction. But the book of Proverbs, as well as all of Holy Scripture, has also a great guidance for us as well. It gives us great direction does the book of Proverbs. When we read the opening verse in verse 5, trust in the Lord. And you know today, we can so easily read those words with no real deep thought, with no real meditation. And we say to ourselves, what exactly does this mean to me whenever I read this verse? We read it without really meditating on it. And if we were honest enough with ourselves, do we really grasp the truth of what we have just read this morning? You see, it's okay to read these these words and say, trust in the Lord. But can you say with your whole heart this morning that you really are trusting in God? You see, when everything's well in the Christian life, whenever everything's going well and whenever we're on the mountaintop, it's so easy to trust in the Lord, isn't it? But whenever things take a turn, because we do know that the Christian life, we are going to have our valley experiences. But I ask in those valley experiences, can you say that you're trusting in the Lord as much as you were in the good times in your life and the mountain experiences also? This ought to be a real challenge to each and every one of us this morning. As believers, it is our duty, and it ought to be our desire, to meditate on God's precious word. Now that word heart is mentioned in the Bible over 800 times, whereas the brain is not mentioned once. The first thing that comes to our mind whenever we think about the heart is, of course, that organ in our our bodies that pumps around blood. Some interesting facts about the heart is this, that Believe it or not, our heart beats around 100,000 times per day. And with this continually going 100,000 times a day, this continuously pumps about 5 litres of blood around our body through our blood vessels daily. And the average heartbeat of a woman is about 8 beats a minute faster. So there you are, there's one for the husbands here this morning. 
Whenever your wife seen you for the first time, her heart beat it eight times faster than yours. So there's a, there's a statistic for you this morning. An adult heart is about the size of two hands clasped together, and a child's heart is about the size of a fist. And the list could go on and on and on about the facts and about your heart. But whenever the Bible talks about your heart, it's not actually talking about this organ that pumps blood, blood around our bodies. It's talking about our meditator. It's where we do our thinking. And you know, this morning it's safe to say that each and every one of us are unique in our own personal way. As the psalmist says in Psalm 139, 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. This word wonderful, it means that you're different. It means that you're set apart. And praise God this morning that we ought to be different as the believer, as the child of God. And I put the challenge to you, not only to you this morning, but as to me, are we different? Yes, we're the same in the house of God. But what are we like Monday through Saturday? What are we like in the workplace? What are we like with our families? Can we say that we are the same all the time? Our heart is attached to our mind, it's attached to our will, and it's attached to our emotions. Therefore, it's what we think, it's what we want, and it's what we feel. The Bible says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Not as, not as he thinketh in his head, but no, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's important to note that our heads might be filled with lots of information, and it's great to have knowledge, don't get me wrong. But the main question is this morning, if you have a lot of head knowledge, which is good, but the question is, have you got it in your heart? You have probably all heard of the saying, like myself, where somebody can have knowledge, and they're really knowledgeable in the scriptures perhaps even, but they haven't got it in their heart. And this is what we really need to grasp this morning, that we need to subtract the information that we have in our heads and we need to pull it down into our hearts. Our desire and our priority needs to be having stored things, the right information and knowledge in our hearts. It's our hearts that hold our meditations. And a few verses that's in relation to this in reference, Psalm 119 verse 11, Thy word have I hid in thy heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 19 and the verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And our text goes on to say, Lean not unto thine own understanding. Why? Well, again, we can always rely on the Holy Scriptures to give us an answer. In Jeremiah 17 and the verse 9 it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You see, if we lean on our own understanding, if we lean on our own thoughts, we're not going to be very successful in our personal walk with God, are we? And then if we go on to verse number 6 of our text, it says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, 
and he shall direct thy paths. In other words, God will show you his will for your life. And that's probably one of the biggest questions that each and every believer has in their life. And this applies, by the way, to not only the young people, but applies to the old people. Therefore, this applies to everybody. It applies to every believer knowing the will of God. God, what is your will for my life? Lord, what do you want me to do? And that's simply that I want, what I want to speak about this morning for the next few brief moments that we have together. I want to speak to you about the will of God in our lives. The will of God in our lives. And it's under three simple headings. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to find the will of God. In the book of Acts chapter 9, of course, most of you will be familiar with the story. This was the conversion of Paul, the Apostle Paul, once known as Saul of Tarsus. And in Acts chapter 9 and the verse 6, uh, the Bible says, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, this is Paul, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. If there was ever a more important and vital question for the Christian to ask God, it would be this that is found in Acts 9 and verse 6. Lord, what will thou have me to do? I wonder if you have ever asked that question in your own life this morning. Young or old, Lord, what will thou have me to do? You see, child of God, we should have many distinct marks and changes and desires in our hearts and our lives whenever we come to trust Christ as our own personal saviour from our sin. And one of our main desires in our Christian walk should be this, not only to do the will of God, but to know the will of God. Paul, once known as Saul of Tarsus, had just been converted moments ago. You think of what this man used to be like whenever he was, before he got saved. He was a persecutor of Christians. He hated the gospel. He had a heart that was as hard as nails. And whenever he come across that wonderful encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, the Apostle Paul's life was changed forever. And he was changed. And in fact, he actually wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 5 and the verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Praise God. All things are become new. You see, the gospel changes. It's not man, what man can do. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes us. But already he had the desire to know and to do the will of God. Even though he was only saved, he wanted to know the will of God. And up until this point in Paul's life, he didn't know what God's calling was on his life. So what did he do? Well, you will not have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 9 and the verse 11, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, this was Ananias, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. And listen to the end of this verse, For behold, he prayeth. 
for behold, he prayeth. Up until this point, the Apostle Paul, he didn't know what God's will was for his life. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he was saved. But up until this point, he still didn't know what God would have him to do. And of course we know what God did do with him. He made him into perhaps the greatest preacher of the gospel ever. You see, Paul, he was inconsistent and he was in constant prayer. Which leads me to ask the question to you personally, as a church, what has your prayer life been like recently? As I mentioned a brief few moments ago, it's, it's easy to pray whenever things are going well. Whenever everything's rosy in the garden and you have a big smile on your face. But how about whenever a trial and a tragedy and a storm come into your life? Do you cling to the Lord or do you run away from him? That really is the challenge to your hearts this morning. Psalm 25 in the verse 4 and 5 says, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. Psalm 27 and verse 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. You see, beloved, these are specific prayers for me and you to pray to the Lord for direction and for guidance in our life. I love what Psalm 143 and verse 10 says, the opening words of it, it says, teach me to do thy will. Isn't that a great prayer to say in the prayer meeting? Teach me, Lord, to do thy will. Not my will be done, but Father thine that is in heaven. Here we have before us not only constant prayer, but it was consistent, it was courageous, and it was careful prayer. Having the confidence and the boldness and the reassurance that God will answer prayer according to his divine will. And praise his holy name this morning that we have a Father in heaven who hears and answers his, ch- his children's prayers and petitions. With Paul seeking God in prayer, God's will was revealed to him. As we had just touched on a few moments ago, he was a preacher of the gospel. Although some of God's will was revealed to Paul, and it's a bit like our life as well, some of God's will can be revealed, but there's also some of it can be concealed. In other words, it's not yet revealed to us. It's hidden. And oftentimes, when we want and expect things in our life, we forget to take a step back, don't we? And we forget to analyse the situation. There's maybe something that you've wanted really, really bad in your life. And you're getting really frustrated with the Lord this morning. You're saying, Lord, why is this not happening? What are you doing? But yet, we don't take the time to step back and ask, was this even God's plan and will for my life at all? You see, there's many, many things that we want in life. But we have to come to the realisation that God will not give us what we want. Indeed, he will give us what we indeed need. God is always on time. That is one sure thing. He is never, ever late with his time. He's never late. He's never early. But he is always on time. So, child of God, this morning, my exhortation to you this morning is to not lose heart. And whatever situation that you're facing in your life right now, keep 
looking to the Lord in prayer, being careful, being consistent in the place of prayer. And that really has been my prayer at the start of 2023, even in my local church in Randallstown, that he would make us a congregation of prayer. And I pray, and you ought to pray the same as me, that God would make all along a place of prayer, as well as all our sister churches, and for all the other churches that are faithful to the blood and to the book. Because whenever we get down on our knees and whenever we get serious with prayer, this is whenever we will see a move of God. I think it's fair to say this morning that there's a real coldness, there's a real callousness that has come among believers, sadly, at times. We've lost that fire that once burned within inside us. This morning, would you not ask God to reignite it in your heart and your life? Ask him to give you a fresh burden, a fresh desire for the work of God. I think of what Jesus said to Simon Peter. Those famous word, words, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Secondly, when we find the will of God in our lives, we need to, secondly, focus on the will of God. In John chapter 4, we have the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And of course, we all know the story that Jesus and his disciples were on their way back to Galilee from Judea. But the Lord Jesus had other ideas in his mind, and that is that he wanted to pass through Samaria. The scripture says, I must needs go through Samaria. And this was quite a random act for the Savior to do, but of course, there was a reason behind it. And that reason was there was a great woman with a great need, and that is that she was a sinner. She was a sinner. And the Lord Jesus Christ was talking to this woman, and of course, like the Saviour was doing, and what we ought to do with people, especially with unbelievers, we ought to show compassion, we ought to have the love of Christ, we ought to be fruit-bearing Christians. And of course, the Saviour was sharing the gospel message with her, and he was challenging her about the living water that he had to provide. But of course, we all know the story that when Jesus, Jesus' disciples come back with the food, they marveled. That word marveled basically means that they were astonished that the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking to this Samaritan woman. Why? Well, of course, the Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't really mix. They didn't really get along well. The Samaritans, they were of a mixed race. They had a different way of worshipping God than the Jews did. And it was quite bold of what the disciples said, wasn't it? They more or less said, what are you doing talking to this woman for? And of course the Lord rebuked them. Come and eat with us, they were saying. The food was already got whenever they had come back from the, from, the, from the city to get food. And Jesus could have been so easily distracted doing the will of God in his life. But what did they say in John 4 and 34? My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You see, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get misled doing the work of God. 
The Lord himself experienced such things. He could have easily lost his focus while ministering to this woman under the influence of his own disciples. But yet, he had one thing on his mind, and that was to do the will of the Father. And this is what we must do too, as we have to focus on the will of God in our lives. Never to lose sight, never to get distracted, but to follow through and to carry on with God. We can think of a horse. Okay, I don't know if there's, if there's many horsemen here and on along. Maybe he's on a horse. But a horse wears these things called blinders. I hope I'm not mistaken in this, in this uh, name for this. But a horse wears blinders. And with these blinders in this horse, it covers the side and it covers the rear view vision of this horse. And it forces the horse only to look forward in a forward way. And it keeps the horse in the right direction and in the right track. And it keeps the horse calm and it keeps it focused. And you know yourself whenever you're driving by in a car, you just don't hammer by in your car. Whenever you see a horse, you would drop it down a gear or two in the motor. And you would drive by that horse slowly. Why? Because you don't want to disturb the focus of the horse. It keeps it calm, it keeps it focused. And you'll see the owner of the horse patting it in the neck. And this helps the horse not to, to get distracted from the elements around them. And spiritually speaking, we need to be like the horse with the blinkers on. We need to have the tunnel vision, avoiding distractions around us. Why? Simply to stay focused on the will of God in our lives. And there's so many people... And times passed, and they've lost their focus. It all started well with them, and it didn't end well. Why? Because they didn't have their blinkers on. They get, sad, they get sidetracked, they fell into sin, and little by little, a small compromise led to a great disaster. A little sin, a little sin led to a bigger sin, and a bigger sin, and before you know it, that person was nowhere. Nor was seen. And that, yet that person was once on fire for God. But what happened? They didn't have the blinkers on. They lost their focus. You see, we need to have that close walk with God. We need to have that close fellowship with God. We need to be reading. We need to be reading His Word. We need to be talking with Him through prayer. We need to be having that Christian fellowship. One with the other, I can think back to the, the men's conference that you, hear, uh, you had here in Amalong, and it was absolutely fantastic. The preaching of God's word, the fellowship with God's people, the, the, the caterers, the ladies that provided the scones and the tea. The whole day was fantastic. Never underestimate the value and the importance of Christian fellowship. It is absolutely vital and essential in our Christian life. C.T. Studd once wrote these words. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to me, and stand before his judgment seat, only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes and fears, each day with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Lastly and quickly, um, lastly, I would like to consider fulfilling the will of God. So we had talked about finding the will of God, focusing on the will of God, 
Lastly and thirdly, and I think it's important to add that once we find it and once we focus on it, we need to fulfil it. We think of Jonah whenever God had called him at the very start. What did he do? He didn't want to do it and he ran away and went into the, the mouth of the wheel. But whenever Noah, or sorry, rather Jonah, whenever he surrendered to the will of God, whenever he fulfilled it, what happened? There was a great harvest of souls. You see, with Jonah's obedience, with his fulfillment, with his surrendered life to Christ, he's seen the blessing of God come down in that city of Nineveh that was filled with sin. We need to fulfill the will of God. Therefore, it needs to be carried out. It needs to be fulfilled. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This morning, believer, let's be ready, let's be willing to know the will of God. Let's find it, let's focus on it, and let's fulfill it. For Jesus.